Welcome to Voices from the Grassroots. This is your host, Clay Haran, coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina, my hometown, and the land of Blue Hills, synchronicity, and beer. This episode, I'm sitting down with my buddy, William Padilla Brown. William is a 23-year-old mycologist, entrepreneur, and permaculturalist based in Western North Carolina. William is a pioneer in the field of growing a mushroom called the Cordyceps. Um, him and his business partner are some of the only people in North America to begin producing the actual fruiting body of the Cordyceps mushroom rather than just the mycelium. And what I mean by that, say you're, say you're walking through a forest and you see a mushroom poking out of the dirt. There's actually more to the mushroom than the flesh of the little cap and stem. There's actually a mycelial web beneath the ground that you cannot see that produces the mushroom. So William and his business partner have figured out how to grow the fruiting body of this pretty incredible medicinal mushroom called a cordyceps. So before we get into the interview, I want to state a few facts. Our current agricultural system is completely unsustainable and is a threat to our survival. Scientists actually state that we are depleting soil at a rate 10 times faster than it is replenished. It has also been predicted that we will be completely out of soil by the year 2075. No soil means no food. No food means no life. It's as simple as that. From an economic standpoint even, the USDA, as in the United States Department of Agriculture, claims that such an extent of soil depletion, 10 times faster than it's replenished, will result in a $44 billion annual loss to the economy. Our current agricultural system is responsible for the number one source of pollution, that being fertilizer runoff. Regenerative methods of agriculture, which eliminate the need for salt-based nutrients that are running out of the soil and polluting our streams and oceans, are proven to work on a large scale. Our agricultural system is also responsible for 57% of our greenhouse gas emissions, which cause climate change. There are permaculture methods that are proven to have the capacity to reverse those trends of greenhouse gas emissions. The methods are already there. So the point is, is that we are depleting our soil and polluting our environment at an irrational level with the current system and it needs to change. But on to the interview. All right, so I'm sitting down with William Padilla Brown. Hey, how's it going? How you doing, William? Doing great, I can't complain. Good, good. stuff. Yeah. So uh, I want to start the interview just by asking you, uh, how did you initially become interested in mycology and mushroom farming? As in, like, what pulled you into this field? Right on. Well, I mean, I got into mushrooms like most teenagers do, you know, and I figured out how to grow them uh, because of that interest. And as I started to work with that medicine, I started to become more interested in holistic living, holistic lifestyles, being closer to the source of everything and like including food. Um, so I got really interested in growing my own food. I wanted to learn more about it. So I started to attend uh, different permaculture events that were local to me and uh, different agricultural events and eventually went into um, doing a permaculture design course and got certified as a permaculture designer 
And one of the things that I felt was lacking in all of my permaculture education was fungi and mushrooms. There wasn't any teachers in my area that could teach me about fungi or mushrooms. And the little bit that I knew, I knew that I knew, I knew that I knew more than other people. So I just amplified that and started to work with gourmet and medicinal species. And slowly um, it had just escalated from there. Cool, and yeah, we're at your uh, indoor mushroom farm right now um, out in Weaverville, North Carolina. Can you tell our listeners what you have going on here? Well, here in Weaverville, um, myself and my business partner, we are operating the first uh, cordyceps fruiting body production, commercial fruiting body production in the United States. A lot of people in the United States produce mycelium of cordyceps, and that's what's really on the market. So uh, we started to produce the actual fruit bodies, and we're currently going through uh, analysis uh, at Bastyr University to test to see if the levels are uh, higher or lower than the mycelium, and I have a good feeling that they might be a little bit higher. Um, but yeah, we grow these wonderful cordyceps mushrooms. In nature, they grow on insects, but we grow them on uh, organic sub, uh, uh, substrates. We do uh, gluten-free substrates as well, um, trying to make it more applicable to people that are using it for some sort of uh, maybe therapy because they have some ailment or if they have dietary restrictions, we want to make it more available to uh, a wide range of people. Um, so yeah, really medicinal mushroom and just really happy to have this farm going and growing it, yeah. Yeah, and if people aren't aware of what a cordyceps is, they've probably seen planet Earth and seen the uh, stop motion or, I mean, the time lapse of the cordyceps growing out of the ant's head or whatever like that. Yeah, a lot of people are familiar with that one. So is there is there a lot of science right now on the benefits of cordyceps, or why do you think cordyceps haven't been completely popularized in, in the U.S.? Well, it's getting there. I mean, mushrooms are really becoming sexy right now. And um, there is a fair amount of research that has been done for over 40 years. Um, people have been familiar with cordyceps in traditional Asian medicine for thousands of years. They've worked with cicada cordyceps, and in Tibet they have a very famous caterpillar cordyceps. Cultivation really only began in Asia in the 80s, like actual cultivation of the cordyceps fruiting body. So we're just in that transition time. Like it takes a while for things to like get over to the other countries and uh, we're kind of spearheading it, pioneering the uh, cultivation in the United States. Um, so I really think it's gonna start becoming more popular over the next five years. Um, more people are talking about it on YouTube. Uh, more athletes are getting into it and promoting it on their own social media. Um, so yeah, it's, it's getting to that point right now. Where are you from and what brought you to this region specifically to do? Was it, was it mushrooms in particular that brought you to Asheville or, what, or the Asheville area? What, what brought you here? Um, well, I'm originally from North Carolina, Fayetteville area. Um, I've always traveled the world throughout my life. Uh, Pennsylvania is where I really lived for most of my time. And um, so I would really say I'm from Pennsylvania. And I moved down here from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I travel and teach for a living as well as do my mushroom farming. So I'd, I'd been down here in Asheville a handful of times to teach classes. And every time I came down here, I just fell in love. I mean, 
I love the scene. Uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of like-minded people that are interested in holistic lifestyles, that are educated about holistic lifestyles on top of that, not just only interested, but they know what they're looking for. And uh, there's, a really, there's a really great community. Um, there's a lot of really great beer. There's always good music. And oh, I mean, what's not to like? Um, and then there's awesome hiking. And I've found lots of wonderful wild mushrooms as I've uh, hiked around these areas. And um, yeah, so I mean, after I'd came, come down here a handful of times, I met, uh, met some really good friends. I met my business partner and I figured why not? I didn't, coming down here in the little amount of time that I had been down here, I found more support for the kinds of things that I needed than when, when I was back home. Um, so Ash, I feel like Asheville wanted me because it, it provided for me when I got here. So um, yeah, that's, that's how I ended up down here. Uh, so yeah, I, uh, you founded the group uh, Mycosymbiotics, uh, and uh, I saw on the website for that organization, uh, there's a quote from you that says, quote, homeostasis will only be achieved via symbiosis with local systems. Can you, can you explain what you mean by this quote? I mean, almost all organisms are striving for homeostasis, like time and whenever your body is like completely peaked, like your, your energy levels are good, your organs are working uh, together, um, and everything is kind of like samadhi, like everything is like just supreme. And so all of us are striving for that. I mean, we're working to build up enough energy so that we can relax, we're working to build up enough energy so that we can eat the good foods that we want and um, provide for our bodies in the way that we need. But nobody will be able to achieve this without being completely connected with local systems. And when I say local systems, I mean that multidimensionally. I mean, you have to be connected with your local food systems. You have to be connected with your local community. And uh, through that, you will see an extension of yourself. You become part of that like greater system. And all local systems are connected with their local systems, which connect with greater systems and so on and so forth. So through achieving that symbiosis with your local systems, not only are you like, connecting with the community, you're connecting with the food, you have everything available to you. It allows you to um, kind of ascend or transcend normal reality. It allows you to see things from a higher perspective once you get out of that like survival mode. Like I need to reach homeostasis. Once you reach that like biological homeostasis, it allows you to expand your mind to a great, into the greater systems because it's all connected just like mycelium. And so, I mean, that's really what I meant with it. And I kind of tried to distill it into something that's more applicable for people on a, on a smaller scale because I, fe I felt like I had reached homeostasis with the system that I was in and I was able to expand myself and expand my mind into greater systems. And now I travel the country, I travel the greater system ex exp expressing what I've experienced. Yeah, and do you think it's not just uh, homeostasis is not just like practicing permaculture, living sustainably. It's also having like a community of, in, of like creative people and like having a good like mental environment. Would you think that that's, a, that's an important part of, uh, of reaching? Yeah, like totally. A, I mean, permaculture is just a tool. Um, it does, like not everybody or even, not many people are even gonna be able to get involved with that or understand or, or people aren't even in uh, a community that might support that. But that's okay because as long as there's people practicing like holistic lifestyles, as long as there's people that are working with the earth in your systems, which for the most part, unless you're like deep, deep in a city, 
I mean, even now there's urban gardens and stuff. So like you really don't have to do it yourself, but as long as you get involved with those kinds of things and then kind of just remove toxic influences from your life. And I mean, you don't even have to do that completely because we live in a dualistic reality. It's all about balance. I mean, like there's always room for a little toxicity and always room for your, your light, your, your purity. Yeah, we drink a lot of beer. Yeah, we do drink a lot of beer. Yeah, so uh, what, would, what would you say to somebody who, at, who asked you, what is permaculture? I've never heard of that. Or ba- yeah, to somebody who has never heard of the word permaculture, like no, or who knows nothing about the concept. All right, so it depends on their level of intelligence, I guess. And like, I don't mean that to be like, <laughs> rude to anybody, but like, I'm not just going to... like if, if, I, if I'm... I teach a lot in like in universities and like events where people are fairly educated. To somebody like that, I would explain it like uh, permaculture is a whole systems design uh, tool uh, where you utilize biomimicry or utilizing natural systems and the way that they work to recreate human systems that are more resilient than ones that aren't based off of a natural system. This can be a lot of people maybe think it's just about like gardening and farming, but when utilizing permaculture correctly, you can utilize it as a tool for all human systems, not only agricultural, but you can use it for social systems as well. Um, so, and then for somebody that might not understand what I just said there, I would just explain to them that permaculture is a way to design your life, a more compatible life, a more uh, resilient life. I mean, even just from your day to day, the way you eat, the people you interact with, it's a way to, to design all of those things and. Um, in a way that's more functional. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that the permaculture ideal is being applied outside of just growing food. Like there's the whole idea of a regenerative economy or a regenerative workplace. Um, There's this really cool guy that I met in my journey. Uh, I believe his name is Paul Glover. And uh, he's he's published a lot of his own, he's self-published a lot of his own work on alternative economies. He's actually uh, one of the founders of the Ithaca Hours um, in New York. They have, in Ithaca, New York, they have their own currency that's been, I mean, it's probably been over 10 years now. And you can only use that money in Ithaca, New York. And it's been helping people in that area to build business for themselves because their, their uh, Ithaca Hour is worth $20. One Ithaca Hour is worth 20 US dollars. And so people are getting paid more for the time and because they can only use it in that certain area, they're able to invest in that area more so because that money doesn't leave. But that's just one example of a myriad of ways that people can start to uh, utilize alternative economies like trade economics, bartering. I mean, uh, Paul Glover has been working on this thing in Philadelphia for a while, the Logan Triangle, where he's working on putting like a, a, a small um, health clinic in there. I forget what he calls it. There's like some name for the health clinic. But he's working on putting a small health clinic there to provide health care for more people, um, little schools, uh, tiny homes for people to live in, farms for people to work on to be able to produce resources for themselves all in a small area. I mean, it doesn't really take that much um, once you get down to it. But I mean, I've lived through trade economics. I There's times in my life where I didn't have a lot of Federal Reserve notes and I survived because I had real tangible resources, not only real tangible resources, but I had... Uh, knowledge and that's also a resource so I traded food I traded things that I foraged I traded things that I knew for things that I needed and I've lived like that for a while 
It might not be the most glamorous life, but <laughs> it works. Mm -hmm. So this show is uh, Voices from the Grassroots is interested in people that are seeking to transform our culture and society from the bottom up. And you wrote an interesting article on your mycosymbiotics website about designing an ethical life in this system. And uh, I wanted to ask you if you could just sum up for our listeners what an ethical life in this system looks like to you. Well, I mean, it gets harder and harder as time goes on because we've created such an unethical system by just going to the grocery store and not even caring about what you're buying ended up supporting like kind of slave labor in other countries. Like, oh, I'm gonna go buy some Driscoll's berries and they're like raping Mexico right now, you know what I mean? So, and people don't even become, a lot of people aren't aware of that. Like a lot of people aren't aware that of the, the clothes that they wear are like is supporting like child labor in other countries and things of that nature. But there are alternatives and that's something that I'm striving towards. A big part of it is is building resource for yourself, um, just like I was saying before. Whether it be like tangible resources or me or mental resource, um, it gives you a better footing to be able to uh, support an ethical life. Because a lot of people that are living in socio low socioeconomic areas and impoverished areas, um, just out of like not knowing any better or not having enough funds, they're not able to like support that ethical lifestyle that a lot of people won't want to live. Um, but there are People like there's so many local businesses now that are producing everything from clothes to beautiful foods and and soaps and anything you could want and like it is available and it is reasonable to build your own tiny home or work with a community of people that are building tiny homes or and it doesn't even have to be tiny homes because like a lot of people because of the culture that we grew up in want this like big house and like a nice car and like all of these things and it's not like you can't have that I, I personally want that <laughs> but you know what I mean but I, I but there is the option to like get some land or maybe get some land with your friends and I mean my friend went out to Oregon and took a earth building class and like they're building like two-story homes that are like completely functional that has like heating that comes from the walls instead of forced heating so it doesn't just like go away and you have to waste a lot of utilities and like better access to water and uh, you can like drive cars now that run off electricity or run off of like f fryer grease like there's plenty of options so I think it all starts with education um, because like personally I grew up in cities I didn't know about any of this until I was like 18 years old so it did take a lot of education to get to that point um, so I just think working more with kids working more in uh, uh, inner city low socioeconomic areas uh, educating people that there is an alternative way of life and it is healthier and it's more ethical. And um, then when we start putting our money where our mouth is, um, I don't think we'll disband large companies, but, but actually voting with our dollars and, and supporting sustainable businesses will cause those companies to sway to uh, provide for the, for the new ideals. And we're starting to see that happen with like companies like Walmart uh, offering organic pr produce mm -hmm. and, like Coca-Cola, like trying to do organic, like drinks or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, because people are starting to sway in the things that they desire, the world is starting to change along. So with the market, you're saying the markets will shift to the people's values or according to the people's values. Totally. Is that how, is that how you think changes will 
like the changes that we need if you believe in like the ideals of, per, of permaculture? Do you think that's, that's the movement right there? Or that's how, that's the only way that it can change or? Um, I don't think it's the only way that it could change. I, there's always like multiple ways for, for anything to be done. There's always a lot of pathways, but I think that's a big one right now. I mean, I, I don't know how long our money will even hold its value anymore. Like it just seems like it's becoming less and less valuable. But, uh, and I mean, and, and again, that's just one aspect of it. I mean, you could just stop using that money in general and like just start doing that whole trade system and like, like living off whatever resources you're producing or collecting and all that kind of so stuff. So that's your, you, you want, your ideal would be like a barter system. Um, I can't say that'd be my ideal. Uh, I mean, it is really, it's really a great system. Um, it does take a little bit more to like, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could barter with a carpenter to build things for you and like all these kinds of things. Like mm -hmm. I, I do think, I actually do think using tangible resources makes more, a lot more sense than using some fiat currency. Sure. That, yeah, so that, uh, what I was going to ask you is, like, what does your ideal alternative to our capitalist system look like? If you could imagine an alternative, if you had the power to change our society, uh, which I'm not saying you don't, but uh, what, what would you do? If you had, like, absolute power to make the changes that you want, what kind of changes would you make? That's a, bit, that's a yeah, good one. It's a hard, it's yeah, a hard, it's a hard question. question. I mean, I feel like I've gone over some of it I, uh, at this point, um, but just a, a remediation of our world, like in a large scale sense. I mean, I mean, our homes are made of toxic materials. A lot of our buildings are made of toxic materials and like just kind of recycling that. And there are ways now. I mean, there's so many people studying all the ways that we can like do start doing alchemy on a large scale, like tra transferring, transferring this energy this toxic energy and converting it into something more beautiful. So, I mean, yeah, just cleaning up our soils and kind of leaving those fossil fuels in the ground where they belong, starting working with sunlight and wind and all of these kinds of things and starting to, to barter more for sure. There's no reason not to. I mean, even on a, on a global economic scale, people are spending money to get corn and wheat imported into their countries when we could be trading that for things that they have there that we don't have here. I do think trading a lot from a small scale to a global scale would be really important for the world that I want to live in. And then I believe that people are afraid of things that they don't understand. And because a lot of people have never left their hometown and just like you were saying earlier, only get their knowledge of the world based off what they see on the television, it's it's kind of toxic. And I do believe that has is that is what continues to stoke the fire of racism um, is because a lot of people have no experience with the things that they that they don't like uh, just education as more kids kind of grow up and get real experience instead of like this virtual like experience that we've been accustomed to um, I think that will also help out a lot reconnecting with the land yeah um, but yeah I do believe we're in a great transition right now and everything is everything is looking good on a greater scale I mean like as dark as the times get, we reach our darkest point before we reach the light. And like, as I've been traveling, I've been seeing a lot of, a lot of what I want to see in the world where I go. Um, and we just need to encourage that. And there's a lot of people that are tired of this and they, they want a better life. And there's a lot of people that have children and they don't want their children to have to go through the same things that they went through. And those people 
are the ones that are making a difference. Those people are the ones that are out on the front lines fighting that good fight while everybody else is like munching on cheeseburgers and yeah. watching TV. Yep. That's exactly why I uh, wanted to create this show is because I think if you sit around and you listen to most forms of corporate media, all it does is create cynicism in a sense that we're fucked and nobody's really doing anything to address this. Mm -hmm. And like the people who are actually trying to and like actually doing a good job at making the changes that would be good for the world and for the planet or for, for the people in the planet are, are often overlooked. Their voices are not included in most mainstream media. So that's why I wanted to, to do a show like this. The revolution will be televised. Yeah. Just not on, not on <laughs> cable. Yeah. Not on Fox. It's going to be on YouTube. It's going to be on SoundCloud. On YouTube, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's where it's happening. It, like, I mean, luckily, Friends are getting on to Netflix and stuff like that now because like, that's the new thing. I mean, that's where our generation is starting to learn. Like, They watch documentaries on Netflix or they just like, hang out and watch whatever. But we're starting to get on there. Like, We're starting to expand. We're starting to get access to better media equipment and we are starting to get access to students that, are, that know how to promote these things properly and how to make real quality digestible material. I mean, so people are so accustomed to like this high definition, perfect sounding like sure. experience and that's how they intake their information and now we're starting to make our world attainable in that, in that sense. It's grassroots media right there. Yep. You, or you just mentioned that you've traveled a good bit, and would you? And you said that it made you hopeful. Like, how how widespread are is the permaculture I, ideal? No, it's global. Do Do you think that there's possibility of it becoming like applied on like a giant scale, like in like massive agriculture systems? Right, so yeah, I mean, like that's what's happening right now. Like, it, permaculture, when practiced properly, will always lead to that. If you're practicing permaculture properly. You will be able to provide for life for yourself and you will connect into the greater system. Um, so yeah, permaculture started in Australia and it's global at this point. Like I know people that learn their permaculture in Africa and then there's like permaculture teachers that are doing like really interesting things up in, in Europe and England and um, Canada and Asia and South America even. There's a lot of permaculture people in like Costa Rica and all the way down through uh, South America. So. Um, as long as we're practicing permaculture properly, all of the systems of permaculture, all of the, I used to call them little islands, like oases in the desert of, of this reality. Like I used to go outside and I would see a desert. I was like, oh, there's no fruit trees planted in these public areas. Like the land has been stripped. This is a virtual desert. And so I would find these little oases, these pockets of life where people are like spreading all this knowledge and they have all this food in their backyard and like all these people come to converge and and share what they know from where they come from. And like anytime I'm in a real good permaculture system, there's always people from other permaculture systems coming in and out because they travel from oasis to oasis and they share the messages of where they've been. And I don't know, I mean, just like to answer your question, as long as people are practicing permaculture properly and it's working for them, it will be connected on a global level. Big agricultural systems will be impacted by this. And that's the way that the world is moving. It's going, to take, it's going to take another generation, I think. I think 
the children that are growing up in the permaculture systems right now are going to be the ones that really make the difference because we just had to figure it out. But now there's kids that are growing up with that lifestyle. And a lot of these kids have a better understanding of it than their parents do just inherently by living in it. Yeah, it's like I'd, I never understood permaculture. And then I went to a conference about living soils. I had this like revelation they're like, wait, what is in the soil, like, is inside the plant, and then I put it in my body. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, I'm tripping. I had no idea. <laughs> it was like, I was like, you get so disconnected from like some basic truths about yeah. connections in nature to you. In that moment, I really understood it, and it was like, it's like I was saying, I grew up in cities. I didn't see trees, like they were just green stuff. Like I didn't <laughs> see it, it wasn't the, like in my reality. And like, I, I'm all, I always keep it honest, like using psychedelic medicine was the biggest turning point in me realizing what the world was. And my first, like everybody's like, oh, you see hallucinations and stuff. But like my first hallucination or visualization was that organic material that fell on the ground turned into soil. And that was like a whole trippy thing for me. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like stuff turns into dirt. Like, and then from then on, like you just start to like recognize the larger patterns of nature. And like that medicine works differently for people depending on what's their level of awareness. And that's totally the way it works. Cause I've seen people go from like, wow, I can tell when my parents are mad at me now. Like, like, and I'm just like, dang, you didn't already know that. Like there's so people that are so disconnected from like using their emotions properly, using their senses properly. I was desensitized. I grew up in a military family. Like my dad taught me not to cry, don't have these certain feelings because that's not what men do. You know what I mean? And like, because of that, I had to relearn how to like utilize my senses because they're there to help you sense your surroundings on broad levels. So, I mean, like there is people that are just so, so disconnected from the world and like really we need to help each other out. We need to just converge more. We need to work with each other more and like meet people where they're at. Like a lot of people are just like, oh, like this is the way. And this is like some really far out hippie stuff for, for these other people. Mm -hmm. So it's really good just to meet people where they're at. I think that's the most important, most important thing for this change, honestly. Totally. Yeah. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you is, so like what, how do you meet if you're really trying to spread the ideals of permaculture? How do you meet a single mother who works three jobs at fast food restaurants where, where she's at? How, how can somebody like, per, I don't think permaculture is accessible to a lot of people who are just like so deep in the grind of everyday life uh, in the United States. Like how do we meet those people where it's at? Like what do you think it's going to take to get to that level? Like in what or what role does permaculture, could permaculture play in somebody's life that that's living that grind like that? Well, uh, I can answer that question a lot of ways. Um, I know permaculture designers that used to be that single mom working all those jobs that figured it out themselves. And because they had that experience, they can relate to those people. I think a lot of people practicing permaculture right now are very idealistic and they don't really like to get involved with politics and things like that. But there's, there's two edges, there's like, it's like a double-edged blade or whatever. Like there are, there are permaculture activists that are really getting involved in politics. I personally was involved with my local uh, uh, city council and like business and professionals group. And I think working through the political system, because like anytime I've gone to any town hall, city hall meetings, 
it's a bunch of old white dudes and like sometimes an old white lady and like and and we're wondering why we don't like the systems we live in but it's run by people that are kind of becoming outdated very very fast so i mean like you only have to be 18 to run for city council you only have to be 18 to run for mayor i mean i'm not like i i almost ran for mayor a couple years ago and like it's it's important for young people to have that drive to take the reins because we need new ideas and we need people to be able to support that, that single mom that's working three jobs. And one of the best ways to do that is to become involved politically and be able to change the political landscape in which we're living. Um, so I really want to see more permaculture activists involved politically. Um, and I think that is the way to re meet more people where they're at and just get involved with your community outside of the people that you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like go out and meet somebody that you wouldn't talk to. Go somewhere that you wouldn't go and see what you find there. Like, I've recently started doing this over the past year of my life. Like, I used to just be, like, hermit permaculture dude, only hang out with, like, hippies, only go out into the forest, and, like, that was it. Over the past couple of years, I started, like, going to bars, going to, like, hip-hop shows in, like, like, the hood in, like, Atlanta, <laughs> or, like, you know what I mean? And, like, through that, I've met a lot of people and touched a lot of people that might not have seen this world otherwise. Like, I started making a lot more hip-hop music again. And, like, the lyrics go from everything from, like, more permaculture stuff to, like, trap hood type stuff because it's experiences that I personally had and I'm able to connect to a wide range of people and show more people this world that we want them to see because of that, because that is the way that they take in their information. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can bob my head to this, but not only are they bobbing their head to that, they're hearing some different story. They're hearing a new story, you know what I mean? So, and there's myriad ways of doing this, but I do think it's very, very important, and it is a responsibility of the permaculture designer to step outside their comfort zone. Totally, and to get involved, at least in some way, in, in politics. Like, totally. be engaged civically in some way. Young people need to get the fuck involved. Yeah. Basically, don't complain about the system if you're not gonna, like, at least try to be somewhat Dude. involved in <laughs> i'm totally with you there man that's like the most annoying thing like i'm just gonna rant on facebook all day but i'm not gonna do anything to fix my problems <laughs> yeah, like oh no dude i can't vibe with that i'm with you on that. <laughs> i i got introduced to your stuff by attending the organic growers school in Asheville. Mm -hmm. what you were talking about was just basic mushroom farming if people, what resources would you suggest to people who are interested in maybe starting their own little mushroom cultivation site in their house or who are interested in learning some of the basics about mycology? I would recommend if you can afford to fly out, I would totally recommend going out to Eugene, Oregon and taking a class with Fungi for the People. Jay Schindler is one of my greatest mentors. Also, uh, try and take a class with Trad Cotter. Um, he does really wonderful classes. He's based out of South Carolina, and he travels the country. He has a really great book called uh, Organic Mushroom Farming and Microremediation. It's very user-friendly and approachable. Um, also, uh, for a more low-tech kind of uh, feel and uh, applicable um, for a broad range of people, I would recommend checking out Radical Mycology. Um, they have really, he has, uh, Peter McCoy has a really great book out now. And yeah, YouTube it's always helpful. Maybe uh, join a, a forum like the Mushroom Growers Group on Facebook. Uh, I administrate that group with some friends, and it's a really great one. It's growing really large, and there's 
usually somebody there that can answer your questions or you can just scroll through pictures and see what people have been doing. So yeah, I think those are really great ways to get involved with uh, cultivating. Word, and how do people, uh, how do people get their hands on some cordyceps? Um, <laughs> if somebody wants to dabble yeah. with some cordyceps, should they hit you up on like the internet or something or what? Right on. Well, yeah, if they, if they want to try growing it, I, uh, I sell an ebook and I sell cultures on my website, mycoshop.net. Um, other than that, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at mycosymbiote, or you can follow me on Facebook, uh, William Padilla Brown, um, and then just direct message me, um, tell me you're interested in cordyceps, and we can hook up a delivery. Great. Well, thanks for uh, getting on the show, William. Good, good talking yeah, to you. Yeah, my pleasure. Time. Yeah, this has been awesome. first learned about the goals of permaculture, I began to understand that our irrational form of food cultivation that depletes our soils, pollutes our water, is actually a reflection of broader social systems. Our society continues to consent to a system through inaction and lack of concern that puts the wealth of a handful of people over the well-being of the general public and the ecosystems that sustain it all. If you are okay with that, then I don't know what to tell you. As we talked about in the episode, there are plenty of better agricultural methods that are applicable on a large scale, but we don't currently have the political will or economic bargaining power to implement them. So what do we do? How do we change that? One great organization is called Regeneration International, and they're working in Washington, D.C. and beyond for ag reform. You can contribute to this organization and help their cause. Maybe you could even volunteer for them. You should also take the time to call your representatives and express to them how concerned you are about climate change and soil depletion. None of this is going to change if we don't get involved. Like William said, vote with your dollar but also vote at the polls for authentic, genuinely progressive candidates. Attend town hall meetings, community events. Express your concern for our soil and our climate to your friends and family. Get your hands in the dirt, get organized, and get the word out. The music in this episode was produced by me. And that does it for Voices from the Grassroots. This is Clay signing out. Until next time. unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller and all we say is please at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radios and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad.
I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value.